desire to encounter Christ through his word. Would you help me celebrate God in this place? Help me celebrate God. Help me thank God for our praise team and our choir. Come on, give it up for the choir, our media personnel, and just all of you, the body of Christ. It is good to be here. I hope you understand just how good it is to be here. Uh, the Bible declares this is the day the Lord has made. I hear you, I hear you, I can't hear you at home, but I hear you out here. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I heard one scholar say it this way, if God would think of us so much to create a new day for us, we ought to think enough of God to rejoice and be glad in it. So would you celebrate God one more time in this place? Oh, we bless the Lord. All of all our soul, we bless him because God is a good God. Back in the day, Anthony, when somebody would say God is a good God, somebody else would say, yes, he is. God indeed is a good God, and we hope to always be reminded of his goodness as we go into his word and reflect upon the encounters of the past that will give us confidence in our encounters with him in the present. Our message this morning, if you've been journeying with us through this series, Encounters with Christ, well, our message this morning is coming from the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to John. 21st chapter of the Gospel according to John. You heard Pastor George uh, read it into our hearings. I'll invite your attention just to turn there. Mom, is that you I see in the back there? I see you. God bless you. Glad you're here. Uh, 21st chapter of John. I want you to see there again as the Bible declares. You heard it read into your hearing, Sharon, but Shannon, but I want to just repeat just a few words right there in that first verse. It's right there. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again. That, that, that's it. That, that's, that's what we want to start off. After this, Jesus revealed himself again. Would somebody just say again? Again. Oftentimes, when we look at encounters, we'll, in the word of God, encounters, Brianna, with those who followed Christ, oftentimes we look at these encounters as being a singular encounter. We, exhibit, we see them as an initial time, Dominique, where we connect with Christ. But today, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit and the testament of those disciples in this 21st chapter, I believe it's both imperative and vital, vital for us to realize that we do not have to limit our encounters with Jesus to a singular encounter. But rather, Candace, here's the good news of the text, that we are able to have a fresh encounter with Jesus that every day we have an opportunity to have yet another encounter with him. And I hope I'm not alone in asking this question, but is there anyone in here that you would say right now, I need to have an encounter with Jesus? Anybody here? Then you would match the sentiment of those here in the text. Because here the disciples are... On the lake or the Sea of Tiberias, really the, the, the Lake of Galilee, often called the Sea of Tiberias, they're here and they are engaging in a fishing expedition. But as I shared with you earlier, their time and encountering in Christ didn't start here. In fact, even the post-resurrected Christ 
They have now seen uh, ministry with Christ. These disciples, seven in John chapter 21, they've walked with Jesus. They've seen the miracles of Christ. They've seen his marvelous works of how he transformed lives and transformed hearts. They saw his love on display. They saw his love on display, not only in his earthly ministry, but Anthony, you know, they saw his love on display even when he gave his life on the cross to die for all of us. It is God's love on display. You might remember in that third chapter, this very same gospel, where John says, as, as Christ is articulating it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let me park for a moment, Lee, because sometimes it's important for us to remind ourselves just how much God loves us. That sometimes there are some episodes in our lives that will cause us to mistakenly believe that God started loving us when we started loving him. But the truth is that before we ever knew him, God loved us. I hope you understand that truth because John writes in his epistle uh, in the fourth chapter in the 15th verse of 1 John, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, hear the word of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he, you see it right there, right? He first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And every time you read the pages of scripture, every time you read the testament of those who have been gripped by God's grace, what you see on display is God's love for all humanity. We got to start here. Because I believe, with, I believe uh, the same as Bishop Desmond Tutu, that bishop of South Africa, who said that God did not decide to love us after he created us, but God created us because he loved us. And so when Satan tries to convince you that God has given up on you, when Satan tries to convince you that you've done too much for God to redeem you, when Satan tries to convince you that you are too dirty to be clean by the blood of Christ, you can remind him that you are loved by God. And before you ever knew God, God loved you. And so since you didn't do anything to earn his love, there's nothing you can do to eliminate his love. That's really the beginning of the text. Because Jesus is on the scene in this 21st chapter, but he's on the scene in the lives of the disciples who had just in the 20th chapter found themselves stuck face to face with fear. I hope you're, if you're a Bible reader, you ought to read the episode because here they are in the 20th chapter. Those who walked with Christ are locked into a room, not just one time, but another time. And we see the opening up of the 21st chapter that says this, Jesus revealed himself again, which means this isn't the first time he revealed himself 
after the resurrection. This isn't the first time. No, he revealed himself to these very same disciples when they were scared, locked up, secluded in a room because they were fearful of what others might believe of their testimony. So they locked themselves up in a room. Get this. They are locked in fear, but Jesus in his love transitions through the locked door to meet them where they are. I'm sorry, I'm not the only one getting excited about this here, that nothing can get in the way of Christ demonstrating his love for you. Even if you're locked in a place, I love it, Jesus can appear. Can you see it now? You thought you were in this thing by yourself, huh? You, you thought what you were going through now was by yourself. Some of you at home, you still feel like you're locked up. But here's the reality. Jesus can be with you even if you're locked in a room. He loves you enough to get in the room with you. This is what happens. That sets up this fishing expedition. Because Jesus appears to the disciples in that 20 chapter, not just one time, but two times. He appears to them because the second time, Thomas, you remember uh, Dr. Park, Thomas wasn't there. So Jesus, lovingly enough, appears before Thomas, says, see my hand, see my, thigh, my, my side, and believe. What does Thomas do? Thomas believes. Check out Peter. Peter, now that he feels this new liberation from the love of Christ that shows up when he wasn't even looking for Christ. Mm, that's a word right there. Uh, Christ shows up, but check it out. Peter then says, I'm going fishing. You, you don't see faith in that? Let, let, let me rewind and press play. Peter was, he was secluded and scared because of what might happen to him. He has an encounter with Jesus, and now he doesn't care about what others might try to do to him. He says, you know what? I'm so free in Christ, I'm going fishing. Uh, you're still not getting it just yet here. They, they saw all the damage that could have been done by those who didn't believe in Christ and what they're doing to those who did believe in Christ. But since you know that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, when you realize that you are God's child, when you realize that Christ has redeemed you, when you realize that you are called out by God, when you realize that you are protected by grace, when you realize that God loves you the way he loves you, you stop being scared. Can I say that like that? You stop being scared. You stop being fearful. And you step out in faith and like Peter I'm going fishing uh, so Peter then he makes his journey and I love the text because the text shows that Peter didn't take the journey by himself Hold on, let me put a quarter in that meter just for a moment because something for us to learn here Peter Laurie says I'm going fishing and Peter has some godly friends who says you're not going by yourself Mm, this is why it's important, saints of God, for us to develop godly relationships with one another. I, 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 that, God never intended for us to walk in this Christian journey in isolation. God never intended for us to do it by ourselves. No, Mama Hunt, God intends for us to link up with other believers so together we can walk together. Because the truth be told, sometimes believers have a hard day. You don't believe me up in here. Let me check for a moment here. Anybody, you've been walking with God, you know God, you, you've been saved by God, but you can tell the truth that every now and then there's something inside of you that wants wants to come out and you need a godly believer to check you. Oh, you didn't catch that. Let me help you. Check you. That's accountability. That's hold you accountable. That said somebody to say to you, now you know that's not Christ-like. You need somebody in your life to say to you, how is your prayer life? You need somebody in your life to say, I'm going to go with you. I, 
Mm. And I'm tired of superficial saints. I'm looking for some ride-or-die saints, the kind that says, you know what, we're in this thing together. We may not always get along, but guess what? We're all in the same body. We're all one body in Christ, and we're going to keep going together because you're my brother. You're my sister. You may not always like me. I may not always like you, but guess what? We're in the same boat. You, you, you're, right, you're with me right now. They're, they're in the boat together. And look around, y'all. Look, look around. Look around. Because all these disciples here are in the boat with you. That's why it's important to be a part of a life group so you can get in the boat. So when you say, I'm going fishing, your life group partner will say, come on, I'm going with you. Because we don't want you to get caught up into something you can't get yourself out of. We, we're going with you. Now, you saw the opening of the text. So they're, they're fishing. But this fishing expedition I'm looking at Lee because Lee is my fishing partner, and I think we had a similar experience like this. This fishing expedition came up with no fish. I know you just kind of run past that, but that's not, text says they were fishing not just for an hour. No, they weren't in the Gulf for a few hours, Anthony. They were toiling all night. Mm, you're missing it. That godly friends are the kind of friends that will stick with you even when they stick with you seems unproductive to you. They'll still be with you even when you're not getting night after night, time after time, net pulling after net pulling. They're faced with failure, but the friends are still there with them. I need some friends like that. The kind with me, that aren't with me just when I'm getting the fish, but the kind that will stand with me even though I'm not collecting any fish. I'm, any godly friends out? Do you have a friend like that? Are you a friend like that to someone? And so here they're in the boat. I love it. I'm getting too excited. I need to calm down. They're in the boat, and they toil all night, Dr. Parks. And then the Bible declares that, verse 4, Jesus appears. Um, this word speaks to his self-disclosure. He reveals himself, but look at the time at daybreak. Shannon, he reveals himself at daybreak. They've spent all night in failure. Every pull comes back empty. Have you ever been there? Every attempt looks like you're failing. Every step looks like you're taking two steps back. Have you ever been there? You're trying hard, all you can. Got everybody on your side rooting for you, and you still come back with an empty net. Guess what? You're not by yourself, because that's where the disciples in the text are. And here they are coming into a new day. The sun is just breaking forth, and look at how they're coming into this new day. They're coming into this new day on the heels of a night of failure. They're coming into a new day with disappointment. They're coming into a new day with no provision. But this is what I love about Jesus, that even though it's not light enough for you to see him, do you see the text? Even though darkness is still there, there's still some light of hope that's coming that I love it, Troy, that even though you don't see Jesus in the midst of a brand new day, Jesus is on the shore and he sees you. Oh, I thought somebody would understand that, that, that in the morning, it's daybreak, it's morning time. They made it through the night. Because mm. sometimes you just need God's grace to make it through the night. Because somewhere I read where it says, weeping might endure, but night. But joy comes 
You wonder why I come here in the morning time, why I come to worship in the morning time. Because when I get here, there's something about the Holy Spirit giving me joy, the kind of joy that's unspeakable, that's full of glory. And so here it is, Jesus is on the shore. He's on the shore. He sees them. They don't recognize him. And what I love about it is that even if you don't recognize Jesus, Jesus still loves you enough to intercede for you. Mm, It's right there because Jesus is on the shore and he speaks to them with words of, of intimacy, of relationship. He says, children, some translation says, friends, same word there, have you caught anything? Mm, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. They said, we have nothing. We haven't caught anything. Jesus says, well, put your nets on the right side. You'll get some over there. Mm. So you know what happens, right? They, they put the net on the right side. And all of a sudden, Vern, the net is filled with fish. So much fish that the boat itself can barely pull in the catch. I hope you see this. Because grace is all over this. That not only does Christ see you in the midst of your dark night going into your new day, but he's there to guide you. You should have wrote that down. Uh -uh. Because when you get his guidance and you're obedient to his guidance, his favor follows obedience. And so they're obedient. The net goes down. The fish come in. And now the, the ship itself that they're in is having difficulty making it to the shore. And look at what happens now. What happens now is that someone on the boat with Peter. Now, maybe you don't know Peter. Let me introduce you to Peter. Peter, a professional fisherman by trade. Peter, called by Christ to be his disciple. Peter, the one that Christ used um, to, to communicate his gospel to others. Peter, the same one who had a similar experience at the early start of his ministry with Christ that he threw his net on the other side and filled with fish. And then, and then Peter knelt down before the Lord and worshiped him. This Peter, same Peter that when Christ said, who do men say I am? And then he said, who do you say I am? It is this Peter that says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Christ says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father which is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. This is Peter. Peter, the one who walked with God, talked with God, knew God. But in this moment, he didn't recognize God. Hmm. But look who does. I love it. I love it. Craig, that's why you got to have godly friends. Because John, who calls himself the beloved disciple, turns to Peter and says, Peter, it's the Lord. And in that moment, Peter heard the testament of his godly friend that directed his attention to remember, wait a minute, what's happening here is not natural, it's supernatural. It's God who is providing. And Peter jumps out of the boat. No, he throws himself out of the boat to make his way to Jesus. Can't run past that too quickly because I'm trying to see, are there any people in here where you have people who know you, who who will describe you as a godly friend, the kind of friend that will look at what's happening in their lives and remind them that what's happening in your life is a God thing. Anybody in here, do you have a friend like that, that when you're going through and you are not always able to recognize that God is still at work, you're complaining about what happened yesterday and the day before, you're troubled by some wounds from the past and not realizing that it was God's grace that kept you through the wounds and kept you from the past to the present. Do you have a kind of friend that could tell you when God is at work around you? Wait, no, you know, that's enough. Uh, Are you the kind of friend that can help others see 
that it's the Lord. Now, y'all know me long enough now. You know my questions are not rhetorical. I wouldn't even see it. I want to see it in the chat if you're listening online. Are you the kind of friend who will love someone enough to tell them when God is at work? Are you the kind of friend who will come alongside someone else while they're going through to remind them that God isn't through with you? Are you the kind of Y'all still not yet, yet. Are you the kind of friend? In fact, help me preach for a moment. Look at your neighbor. Just whisper to him. Are you that kind of friend? If they didn't answer you, you need to start praying for them right now because all of us need the kind of friend. I'll let you know when God's at work. I'm still in the text because the text says he throws himself. <laughs> I love this. He, he hears that it's Jesus and he throws himself. I, I know this might be peculiar to some of you. You're trying to figure out why would Pete, because you know Peter's story, don't you? Yeah, you know Peter's story. You know that, that Peter uh, was the one who said to Jesus, I'll ne- if everybody turns their back on you, not me, Lord. That, that, that's Peter. He, he's the one to say, I'm with you, Lord. I, this is for my crew here, till the wheels fall off. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in this thing with you. And Peter was the one, if everybody else deserts you, Lord, I'm going to be with you. Mm, you know how sometimes our mouth gets us in trouble? I'm looking for friends now. You know, you know, our intentions are greater than our ability. You know how the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, is weak. You ever made a promise to God that you couldn't live up to? Oh, don't get quiet now. Let's be, let's be tell the truth up in here. Lord, if you let me through this one. Mm-hmm. I promise, Lord. I'm going to be there every Sunday. Lord, if you let me get through this one. I can't meddle that long. So here it is. Peter throws himself, and he's swimming to Jesus. And I am convinced that what caused Peter to want to pursue Jesus in all that he's gone through is because Peter knows that Jesus is a rescuer. Come here. I I want to convince you. I want you to be encouraged by the word of God to understand who Jesus is, that Jesus loves us enough to rescue us no matter what we've gone through or what we're caught in. He throws himself and he swims to Jesus. Can you see him now? Uh, He was fishing and he, 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 he was pulling in the catch. He sees the Lord at work because his friend tells him God is at work. He throws himself into the sea. He swims ahead of the boat. He's on the sand now. He's 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 walking on the sand, and he sees in the distance Jesus. But Jesus is doing something that we don't see any other account in the text of him doing. Jesus cooking breakfast. I'm right there in text. Jesus had prepared breakfast. Get this, he prepared fish on a charcoal fire. Y'all not run past that. He prepared fish on a charcoal fire. Peter is walking to Jesus, and before he can get to Jesus, the smell of the charcoal fire gets to him. Mm. And as he smells the aroma of the charcoal, it, might, it, it brought his mind back to the last time he smelled a charcoal fire. He, he's coming to Jesus, but he smells something. He smells charcoal. Well, in the 18th chapter of John, the 17th verse, 
after Jesus had predicted to Peter that he would deny him three times. John 18, 17 says that a servant girl was at the door. This is after they arrested Jesus. And the servant girl said to Peter, you also, uh, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Look what Peter says. I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire. Because it was cold and there they were standing there to warm themselves, Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. John 18, 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. Where? By a charcoal fire. So they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest and relative of the man whose ear Peter had just cut off asked, did I not see you? Now, you know if somebody attacked you, you know you'd remember what they looked like. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denies again. And at once the rooster crowed. Get this here. Last time Peter had this fragrance. He went back and now he remembers, wait a minute, it smells just like the time when I denied him. You ever had a flashback of failure? You talk to some real people for a moment. You, you ever gotten a scene and it reminded you of something you, you failed to live up to? See, sometimes when we come to worship, we got to remember that worship is not just celebration. Worship is also when we come in the presence of God and he begins to heal some wounds that we have from the past. He came in the presence of Christ and in Christ engages him in a heart check. And anytime you come and worship and you know that it's Christ who provided for you, Christ who's protected you, Christ who welcomes you, Christ who doesn't push you away but allows you to have yet another encounter with him, then you have to allow the spirit of Christ to do a heart check on you. That's really what's happening now as they sit around this fire and Christ asks him, uh, Simon Peter, do you love me? You, you, you heard it. You, see it. you see it in the text. Go on, let me, let me bring it to you. We didn't read it earlier. We'll read it now. Verse 15, uh, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17 Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In a moment. As he reflects on the provisions of Christ, he reflects on the provision of Christ that prepared him for this very moment. 
Oh, let me teach Bible to you for a moment. Because there's a time in Peter's life, even before the denial, that Jesus predicted the denial and Jesus promised something in the prediction. Media team, if you don't mind, go ahead and pull up Luke chapter 22, verse 31 for them to see it. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus is speaking and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demands to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That, that's the prediction. <laughs> Look at the promise. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you've denied me three times that you know me. Catch it now. But look at the promise in it. He says that I have prayed for you, and when you are restored, I like King James, strengthen your brothers. Don't miss this, you all, that the truth of the text is that Jesus didn't give up on him, even though Jesus knew that Peter would try to give up on him, that Jesus was faithful to Peter, even when Peter was failing in his commitment to him. You're looking at me like you've been saved since you were six days old, but the truth is that we're honest about it. There are some times when we failed in our commitment to Christ, but we're thankful to God that he didn't fail on us, that he is to anybody in here, you look over your life and say, you know what, there's sometimes I wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for me. And because of his grace, he's kept me. Oh, y'all got to get ready and go for life. So let me, let me go ahead and encourage you this way. As we prepare to go, Jesus asked the question, Misha, do you love me? Because when you have a refreshing encounter with the Savior. You are able to experience the abundance of his love toward us. The Bible says that God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it doesn't matter who else wrote you off. Jesus will never write you off. And he's welcoming you even now to have an encounter with him. And you know you've encountered his love because his love does a transforming work within you. It's right there. Because here's the litmus test. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well, if you love me, somebody else should be benefiting from that love. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Agape, unconditionally. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter answers with phileo as a brother. Christ is pushing him to a higher commitment. And then he says, then feed, tend to my lambs. And next him a third time, one, do you love me? He says he's grieved now. Because he realized that in his life, his life didn't always reflect this love that he professed to have. And Jesus tells him again, then feed my sheep. Saints of God, the litmus test of whether or not you truly love God is seen in how you truly love others. It's right there. And I want to invite you to stand all over the building. 
with this command in your mind. When Christ is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor. See, there's no question of whether or not God loves you. God loves you, and he demonstrated that love because he's provided for you. He's like your Savior who can still speak life into your situation. He provides you a Redeemer in Christ Jesus, that when you come to him, you'll experience forgiveness and be made whole. Because Christ pushes no one away, and he welcomes everyone to have an encounter with him. But know that when you have this encounter, he will encourage you and your love for him to be a blessing to others. I invite our prayer partners to come down. I, I really believe there's somebody here, you, you want us to pray with you. That not only you have this experience, not only you have this encounter, but that you would know afresh the love that Christ has for you. And allow that love to flow through you to others. I've been encouraging you all this week to own your block. Encourage you all this week to, to let others see the love of Christ in you. That they too might know of his love. God loves you. And he wants you to know that love. He wants you to know that love in your heart, in your family, and whatever you're struggling. Know that his love can help carry you. He can help you forgive the person that you've been struggling to forgive. He can help you heal from the wounds that you've experienced in the past. All you have to do is come to him. And we're here to pray with you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. We want to pray with you. When you bring that to Christ, Christ has a way of healing you. He'll refresh you. So right now, let's fill this place with prayer and let's come and pray unto him as we lift him up in praise. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.